Welcome to Locked On Cardinals, Alex Clancy, Bo Brock. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow Bo at Bob Brack. You can follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards. So we have something to talk about today, Bo, that doesn't include a list. Are you, are you excited, even though it's not a great story? Yeah, I, I would say I'm not excited right. to discuss this. You know, it's the uh, the ugliness of the NFL rearing its its ugly head at us. I don't know. So, sure, we can talk about it. It is better than list after endless list. Yeah, especially ones that are just have omitted the Arizona Cardinals as an NFL franchise altogether. So Desmond Harrison, who was picked up by the Cardinals, he was a left tackle for Cleveland, played eight games in 2018, was relegated to the bench, then inevitably cut, uh, has a felony warrant out for him, uh, which is you know not a good thing. Uh, issued by the Greensboro Police Department, North Carolina, in regards to assault by strangulation and assault against a woman. So there's that. People still do that. And this is one of the first. This is, I mean, in recent history, this is something that the Arizona Cardinals haven't had to deal with over the last few years, at least, with players uh, behaving badly in this regard. So the Cardinals have cut him. Uh, good on them, I guess. This is a guy that uh, may have trouble finding a job in the NFL after this. Uh, any any news besides that, Bo? I mean, it's just pretty much this guy's... A dumbass. Uh, he strangled a woman, allegedly, even though a, fel- a felony arrest warrant has been issued by- for him, um, and now he's no longer a cardinal. Yeah, it's, it's pretty simple, right? When you look at just kind of uh, the track record, too, that Harrison is just kind of, he's a knucklehead, and he's an idiot, and seems like he's a jerk. And what if it's, you know, even when you look at what's alleged, um, you look at his past, Cleveland was just willing to cut bait on the guy in June, when he was just kind of late, he was tardy to practice when it was, what, mandatory minicamp. And they just said, you know what, you're not worth the headache any longer. See a sayonara. And then Steve Kime, with the number one waiver priority, looked at Harrison. He looked at somebody that could add some depth at a position where they really need depth on the offensive line at the tackle position. And with a guy who's kind of a, a question mark at D.J. Humphreys as far as staying healthy, Harrison was a guy that was going to be low risk potentially medium to high reward. And since he's low risk, when something like this comes up, it's, it's pretty easy what the Cardinals need to do, and they did it. And you got to applaud the organization and not enacting swiftly with it. And Harrison, he played for three colleges before joining the NFL. This is according to uh, SI. He played for three colleges, suspended multiple times while at Texas, and ended his college career at West Georgia. He are, he's already been cut by the Browns. Uh, I think this guy's probably seen the end of his NFL career with what's being alleged and what he's being charged with. Uh, it, it's pretty horrendous. Peace out. Peace out. Fine. He's done. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, at least, at least, and, and at least this guy, you know, wasn't uh, looking to be a pro bowler left tackle with DJ Humphreys going down and they had to make some sort of decision where it would adversely affect their on the field production. We haven't even seen that yet. So good riddance. Get out of here, Desmond Harrison. There's no room for you in the Arizona Cardinals franchise. Alex Clancy, Bo Brock. So this, I mean, big... how do we feel though, Alex? I mean, when we look at what's happening, I mean, the, the Cardinals for the most part, you know, they haven't had to deal with it as much as maybe the Kansas City Chiefs or you know the Baltimore Ravens. There's been some high-profile arrests made in the NFL and some pretty horrible allegations levied against some big-time stars. But when you look at the Arizona Cardinals, whether it's, you know, Michael Floyd or Jonathan Dwyer or their general manager, Steve Kime, the Cardinals have acted swiftly. 
Um, I don't think that there's anything too far off. It's obviously a case-by-case basis, but it's it's not too far off um, on a case-by-case basis that they take all of this serious enough. Sure, Steve Keim is still employed by this team, but he's certainly... He was out five weeks. He paid a significant fine. Um, I, I think that this team has done a good job in handling these blemishes uh, made in these blunders made by these people off the field. Yeah, you know, it's it's none of those guys that you mentioned were high impact guys. I mean, Steve Kime obviously is the GM, but yeah, they live by a different code. It's a different thing. You're you're in the corporate part of the franchise, so you get at least one extra strike, I guess. Uh, it's not like this was Buda Baker. It's not like this was, you know, uh, I, who knows, Jordan Hicks, a, a guy that's going to be a high-impact guy on this team. Um, it's just good that it happened in the preseason. It's good that it wasn't a high-impact guy, and it's good that it, – none of this is good. Let me just no, clarify that. But, but what I mean by good, it's, it's beneficial for the on-the-field production that those things that I said were true. Well, I mean, I mean and, here's the silver linings for you. I mean, if, if, if the fact that that Harrison showed his true colors, unfortunately, it was that um, a, a poor victim here, just awful. But the fact that Harrison showed his true colors enough to where you didn't invest in him at really nearly at all. I mean, where he, he was on the Cardinals roster for a month and a half, and now he's gone. Luckily, you didn't have to waste or invest any time in an idiot like this, and and he's gone, and now you move forward. And that's all we are going to give this man on this podcast. You get one segment, and that's it. I mean, it's it's nice that this is not something the Cardinals have to deal with on a day to day basis. You know, I mean, it's this is a byproduct of Michael Bidwell, Steve Kime not taking chances on guys that have checkered past. Really, I mean, Daryl Washington pretty much cut ties with him after uh, after the assault allegations came out. He was suspended for a year for substance abuse. There was a lot of things. He was still kind of on the roster, but not really after his suspension, and they decided to part ways with him 2013, I believe. But that's really been it. We never heard from him again. Right. Never heard from him again. Right. So, uh, you know what? Good riddance. I hope that this uh, man finds some sort of help somewhere before he does this again. And, uh, yeah, uh, felony arrest warrant out for Desmond Harrison in the state of North Carolina. Alex Clancy, Bo Brock, we'll, we'll reset and be right back. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about not just sex, good sex. Let's remember the days when we were always ready to go. Now, listen up. You can increase your performance, get extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com. It's like blue, the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. They can take, you can take them anytime, day or night, full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as the pill, so you're ready to go whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Bluetooth prescribed online ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctors visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chair prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. And right now, we have a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. We use the special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On. Try it free. Blue Chew, better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Welcome back, Locked On Cardinals. Alex Clancy, Bob Rock. Follow the podcast at Locked On AC Cards. 
You can listen to me on the Freaks 1 to 4 p.m., Fox Sports 9, 10, Phoenix, Monday through Friday. So Josh Weinfuss, a uh, friend of the Freaks, the show that I'm on, that Bo was one, at one time on, um, writes for ESPN for their, uh, covering the Arizona Cardinals. And he wrote an article a couple days ago that I want to talk about briefly. The question that he posed is, can Cardinals coach Cliff Kingsbury succeed where other co- college coaches failed? And he went down a list of these guys. You know, Butch Davis went from the went from the Hurricanes to the Browns in 2001. Steve Spurrier went from Florida to the Redskins in 2002. And the one, you know, mainstay, or yeah, the one mainstay is, you know, Pete Carroll still in the NFL, coaching the Seattle Seahawks, coming from US, USC. These guys succeeded in college. Cliff Kingsbury didn't. The one right. thing that, that we knew right away, which kind of, you know, people kind of did a double take on saying, you know, Steve Keim, Cliff Kingsbury said multiple times in his, in his introductory press conference, Steve Keim will be taking care of that. Steve Keim will be taking care of that. I'm here to coach. Steve Keim will be taking care of that. Do you think that allowing the front office to handle more of the responsibility that a head coach like, you know, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, et cetera, would do will allow – Cliff Kingsbury to succeed where other college coaches turned NFL head coaches have failed. Yeah, it seems like Cliff Kingsbury is there for a very specific reason, and that's to take just an historically bad offense and take it into the future or where the the current NFL stands as far as offensive firepower. And they think that his offense will translate well to the next level, and he can just solely – just focus on the offense, and it's it, we've seen it. I mean, that's what's going on at Arizona State and Herm Edwards, where he's playing the role as kind of CEO, and he's kind of your master delegator. He's going to be the guy that's be call, he's going to be calling the shots. He's probably going to be making the decisions as far as when to utilize a timeout, when to uh, make a coach's challenge, uh, when to go for it on fourth down, when to go for it on the goal line, uh, to kick or to go for it, to punt, to go for it. That's going to be what he's going to be making decisions about, and that's what I think I'm curious to see as far as uh, Cliff Kingsbury's concerned. But they have set him up to where, yeah, Steve Kime is going to handle the personnel decisions, and Cliff Kingsbury really doesn't have to meddle in that at all, even though Cliff Kingsbury had the ultimate say of what they were going to do with the number one overall pick. But other than that, Kingsbury didn't have anything else to say. And then you also look at he's the head coach of the offense, and then Vance Joseph is the head coach of the defense. So I think. It's it's going to be interesting. I read that article as well. It was a great article by Weinfuss. Uh, Carroll had he he'd been in the NFL. He had a couple opportunities to coach in the NFL before he went to USC. Had an immense amount of success with the Trojans, and then uh, the other guys you had mentioned, not so much. Butch Davis was just an atrocious coach for the Browns for a while after success at Miami. Um, I, I just think Cliff Kingsbury is in a position, especially with the way. Things are set up now, and the blueprint that Sean McVay set up in L.A. to be successful. Now, is he going to be surrounded by the right people? Steve Wilkes wasn't, and it was a disaster for him. So it's going to be, it's going to not going to fall all on Cliff Kingsbury's shoulders in year one. Yeah, and one of the greatest attributes that a young head coach could have is really no pressure. And even though this is a high-pressure situation for a lot of other people in the Arizona Cardinals organization, Cliff Kingsbury ain't got no pressure on him. Because nobody expected this to work. Nobody expected him to get this job. 
Nobody expects Kyler Murray really to be a transcendent talent unless this elixir of two things that have never really worked in the NFL. Cliff Kingsbury didn't work in college. You put these two potions together and you make something that, you know, can can take a franchise that's much maligned to the next level in the NFL. There's not a lot of pressure. And it seems like there would be pressure on Cliff Kingsbury. He can always go back to college and take an OC job, right? I mean, there's... You would think that a new head coach coming in where a team scored 14 points per game last year is is set to recharge this offense with a defensive coordinator who was one of the worst head coaches we've seen in recent history in Vance Joseph, but he knows how to run the hell out of a defense, especially defensive backs, where that's one of the strengths of this Arizona Cardinals franchise. You would think that Cliff Kingsbury would take every chance that he can take in an effort to make this work, catch the NFL by storm, and be the Golden State Warriors of the NFL. I mean, that's what we're looking for here. And am I wrong to say that he really doesn't have a whole lot of pressure on him and the pressure is really with the Cardinals brass up in the ivory towers? No, I mean, I'm going to disagree with you. You know, Cliff Kingsbury, if if this doesn't work and it's a disaster right off the bat, um, can he go back to being an offensive coordinator? Is he going to get those... He's going to get opportunities at the NFL level. He's already failed at the college level. Is he, is he going to have an opportunity to go back to a high-profile job like USC? Probably not. I think he's got to go back and work his way back up the ladder. I think that that's where the pressure lies for a guy like Cliff Kingsbury. Um, and, and one of the key names we left out here as far as making the transition as a successful college coach, unlike Kingsbury wasn't. Let's, let's keep on prefacing that. But Chip Kelly came in the league, and he was a coach for the Eagles, and he had some moderate success for the Eagles and then ends up getting fired once he, fired once he faces a little bit of adversity in Philly, and then he ends up going to San Francisco for a disaster this year. And now he's kind of meddling in, at UCLA and not necessarily having a lot of success there. And, and I think he seriously took some lumps there during his pro coaching uh, time that has really taken hits on his college coaching abilities uh, now, as we stand in 2019, there there are the horror stories. I think that there is there should be a lot of pressure on Cliff Kingsbury. I think he feels it. You see him getting in early, leave late. He's putting in the hours, but there is a very good chance this is a disaster. The reason why I say there's no pressure, I mean, there's obviously pressure, head coach, but but it's not like it, this isn't debilitating pressure which will keep him away. And I, you know, we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on this because he didn't think he was gonna get an NFL job. He's playing on house money already. He got a job at one of the most heralded colleges in, in, in college football history at USC. He was already ready to roll. He was ready. He saw blood in the water to take over for Clay Helton as the head coach of USC. That was the plan, I would assume. But then, you know, uh, Steve Kimes saw something in him. Bidwell saw something in him. Saw the number one pick. Saw Kyler Murray. Like, hey, maybe we can make this work. I would think that he has no problem getting a job elsewhere if this doesn't work especially on the offensive coordinator's spot. Maybe not head coaching, but listen, there are many failed attempts from guys that go to college, that go to the NFL from college, dip their toe in the water, be like, ooh, too hot, and go back. I mean, Bobby Petrino, as if nothing ever happened. When, when he went to Atlanta and left like the Colts left in the middle of the night, he went back, everything was fine. Nick Saban. Yeah, but he was successful. Yeah, but... In the day and age, in college, immensely successful. In the day and age of having to put up a lot of points, Cliff Kingsbury's done that, and that's what his whole foundation is based upon. He puts up a lot of points, 
And yeah, US... but a lot of people want to. A lot of people want to say, well, if Cliff Kingsbury could recruit to Lubbock, he would be successful. Um, and, and people are overlooking the fact that he was. It was the Big Twelve. He was. One, he had. He's an offensive guru in one of the most offensive conferences in the nation. And he's getting the likes of Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield to play the quarterback position for him. And then we're looking across the board at the other uh, teams at Texas Tech. The Texas Tech basketball team was in the Final Four, and the Texas Tech baseball team was in the College World Series. They're having success, but Cliff Kingsbury couldn't find, seem to find success at, in, in what they deem as their premier sport. Um, I, I, I just think... We should have. We should be cautiously optimistic. I think that the Cardinals are putting him in a position, in a way, to where it's not. He shouldn't feel pressure. But at the same token, I mean, this is a guy that if it doesn't work, especially if his offensive schemes are deemed not, uh, you know, successful at the NFL level, he's going to have to work his way back up and won't ever get the chance at a head coach on an NFL team ever again. Yeah, he could go be an OC somewhere at the college ranks, but not like. Big time programs. His last two seasons at Texas Tech, his defense ranked 86th and 100th in college football. So it's not like he has this this defense that Texas has started to put together. I mean, it, you still need a good defense to win games. They put up a boatload of points. And listen, again, he's coming in here, and this isn't normal. We'll talk about this on the other side, locked on Cardinals. That he do, he will no longer have to worry about anything except for putting points up. It's not his fault if the defense puts up a lot of points. This is a very rare situation that will put more pressure maybe on Vance Joseph than it does on Cliff Kingsbury. Not completely. I'm not crazy. But potentially will take more weight and put it on the back of the defensive coordinator, which doesn't normally happen in the NFL. We'll talk about it next. Locked on Cardinals. Final segment here, Locked on Cardinals, Alex Clancy, Bo Brock. If your company wants to reach an upscale male audience, then your company's ad should be running right here on this podcast. So to get your company connected with this audience, email us at locked, L-O-C-K-E-D, at lockedonpodcast.com to get more details about increasing your business. If you want to advertise on a podcast where no fluff, Bo and I actually just give sharp-tongued opinions we enjoy each other's company the majority of the time, and we love talking about the Cardinals. <laughs> Email locked at lockedonpodcast.com. So we're talking about this, and listen, just to reiterate, I understand that Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of an NFL franchise, has pressure on him. But I don't think he has as much pressure. He's not going to have an immediate hot seat on him like Steve Wilkes did last year, like other coaches have with Rod Chazinski. In Cleveland, that's always the one that I remember. He was one and done. It's not going to be as hot of a seat, especially immediately, and in the next season as well, just because the hot seat will be on Steve Kime more than it is on the head coach because this was his decision to bring Cliff Kingsbury in. Vance Joseph will shoulder some more of this pressure than a defensive coordinator should have because... It's he's that this is a two. You remember when when Ohio State used to run two quarterbacks, the LSU used to run two quarterback systems in college. This is a two head coach system. This is a two head coach system. So they're going to share some of the pressure instead of it just solely being on the head coach. 
Yeah, I mean, I can agree with that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I do think that they they looked at last year's formula and they realized that it was horribly flawed. Um, and Steve Kime probably didn't take as much accountability for his role in it. And yeah, absolutely, the pressure should be all on Kime's shoulder to improve from a horrible 2018 to 2019. And yeah, there there should be there should be when you're a first year head coach and you sign that what standard four to five year contract, there shouldn't be an immense amount of pressure to perform right away, especially when a team is coming off a three and thirteen season. I completely agree with that. You should not have to be looking over your shoulder uh, after you know during year one or after year one. Year two should just be a foregone conclusion that you're going to get at least a second year. It was you would hope that. A one-and-done coach is an anomaly. But we've seen now recently, especially even within the division in San Francisco, that it's not. Jim Tom Sula got one year. Chip Kelly got one year. So it, it, it will be interesting. I mean, this could be one of those things that it festers and continues to fester. But if Cliff Kingsbury is the guy, if Kyler Murray is the guy, then, then I think that they should take some comfort in that, maybe relax to an extent, and that they will have the ability to work out and take their lumps and then work on a way to become successful down the line. Yeah, and one difference with college and, and taking over, one difference with the NFL and college, the NFL taking over uh, a new position, it's not like where he took over Texas Tech, well, these aren't my guys. You know, you need two or three years to bring your recruits in to kind of implement your system. These are all Cliff Kingsbury's guys immediately. He has everybody. Because he was there for the draft. He was there to pick and choose all of these offensive guys. The NCAA leader in receiving yards. One of the most freakish athletes coming out of college in the last couple seasons in Akeem Butler. And you have David Johnson who will will be using the system the way Cliff King, Kingsbury wants him to. Larry Fitzgerald who can, he's a chameleon, he can move into any system that's, that, uh, that he needs to fit into. He needs to fit into whatever niche the coach asks him to fit into. And Kyler Murray. So Cliff Kingsbury has the tools that he wants right away, which will give him a leg up for some of the guys that come in as head coach and not necessarily have um, the ability to implement their system with the guys that they want to. I mean, look at last year. They implemented a 4-3 defense with the inability to fill holes with guys that would be able to utilize the 4-3 defense effectively. And look at what happened. So uh, the story of today... Two things, one positive, one negative. Desmond Harrison has been cut by the Arizona Cardinals. Free agent coming over from Cleveland has a felony arrest warrant um, with his name on it for the state of North Carolina after an alleged strangulation of a woman. And um, see you later. Good for the Cardinals to take care of this so quickly. And Jalen Thompson, uh, the lone pick of the supplemental draft earlier this month, um, has been signed to a four-year deal by the Arizona Cardinals DB out of Washington State. So, you know what? We will not talk Desmond Harrison ever again. This is something that we don't know, and, and Bo brought this up before the podcast started. We don't know if the if Cleveland knew when they cut him. We're assuming that the Cardinals didn't know, but who knows anymore? I, I, I would assume that the Cardinals wouldn't take a chance on a dude, first of all, who was undrafted, started eight games, then was benched. Why would you take a chance on him just for depth if you knew that this was looming? Right. No, yeah, no doubt about it. I, I, would, I would seriously have uh, my doubts that they did not know about this. And it's, uh, who knows if it, if it happened recently. Also, uh, good news today, the Cardinals rookies, including number one overall pick Kyler Murray, did report to training camp today, and then we're about a week out from the rest of the team reporting and then practices starting. 
I'm so excited. Yeah, I know. Finally, oh gosh, finally. Man. I just want to see. Like, I really hope that after week one, that Monday, we're dancing around like crazy people. Like, seriously, I, I hope this works. This has been two years of just futility would be an upgrade. Being able to see over ground would be an upgrade. I mean, we de- screw the fans. We deserve this. <laughs> we <laughs> we deserve positivity on that Monday after week one for the Arizona Cardinals. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.